I dressed for the occasion. Wow. wow. Yeah, me Come too. on, we know you're not wearing pants. <laughs> I actually am wearing pants. You can get the whole view. Oh, thank God you're wearing pants. I'm not going to stand up. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Two D, the Flat Frontier. These are the voyages of the Pancake Enterprise. Its rotoscoped mission to repeat the same animation and music, to transcend the limitations of 70s animation, to go boldly where no cartoon has gone before. Toon Trek, based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry, starring. Paul Spataro. Also starring Dave Pascarella. With Bill Robinson. And Andrew Leyland as Andy. Production assistants J. David Wheater. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show that follows up Listen to the Prophets, whose name I can't recall. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am joined by my usual cast of voice actors. We have Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. David Pascarella. Hello. And introducing Sir Andrew Leyland. Meanwhile. Uh, you know what? You may have the coolest accent, but you do the worst Ted Knight. <laughs> oh. But he does I the best no Prince. I who Ted Knight is. Really? Oh, that's what he, he was thinking of in Batman comics. Was he not Wildcat? Did you, well, did yeah, you, he was. Did you ever see Caddyshack? <laughs> Long time ago. Did you ever see the well, Mary Ted Tyler Knight Moore was... show? No, I'm not you, that old. You watched? Did you ever see Psycho? <laughs> I did see Psycho. He yeah. was the cop that handed him the blanket. It's very oh, good. Right. Did That's you ever see enough. the Justice Society? He was Starman. <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember him in that. Well, then, so you'd know him more as his, for his voiceovers on uh, Super Friends. I never saw Super Friends. Get out of here. Oh, my God. How are we friends with you? Many, many, many times. Super Friends either didn't err at all in the UK, or if it did, it didn't err in my region. I have never seen so much as a single episode of Super Friends. That's where the whole meanwhile thing comes from for me. Meanwhile, the Hall of Justice. I am aware of... I am aware of the meanwhile at the Hall of Justice thing, and I am aware that it comes from a television show called Super Friends, but I've never seen Super Friends. I don't know who was in it. I know there was like a twin couple who wore purple. They were in it. That's it. That twins. was later on. But first you had Wendy Marvin and Wendy Wonder Dog. Wendy and Marvin and Wonder Dog. <laughs> it's entirely possible it Not got Glick shown the the on monkey. other ITV regions, or in Scotland, or in Ireland, or whatever, but I never saw Super Friends. Okay, we're going to have to go on a hiatus now and replace Andy with somebody who knows pop culture. Yeah, Chris Chris Franklin's baffled by the fact that he can't wrap his head around the fact I've never seen so much as a single episode of Super Friends. And it's like, I can't watch it if it never got shown. You can watch it Andy on YouTube, will. I'm sure. I could, I could probably watch it <laughs> You now. make no effort. But do you not think I would go to it now and I'm not six anymore? Do you yes. not think I'd watch it and go, this this caused a lifelong love of comics? Just I would if I were you, I would go just to see what all this, the talk the is about of it. Oh, all right, okay. No, too late. Forget about it. We're replacing oh, you. <laughs> ne- next week we're doing an episode of the Super Friends. All right, I don't mind you doing an episode of Super Friends. <laughs> we're replacing you with Prince Philip. Oh, it's too late. <laughs> too late. 
can't, you can't, you can't replace he's gone, man. You, you gotta go for somebody else. I think Loki's available. I'm sure you'd get Ed Benedict Cumberbatch for ten minutes. Ten minutes? We could afford yeah. ten seconds of his time. <laughs> we can't. I don't know, yeah, I don't know about ten seconds either. We could only fool him by trying to call him up and, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Yes, Mr. Cumberbatch, yes, yes. I have your car here, sir. Yes, yes. I sailed by. <laughs> Wait a minute, is that Terry Thomas on the phone? <laughs> That's some long-distance call. I'm here with Prince Philip. <laughs> and then Andy can go... <laughs> okay, Andy, you got the Too soon? Back. Not, not by the time this airs, it won't be, don't worry. Actually, we're going to replace Andy with Gleek the Monkey. That's my and, and, and it's yet another reference that Andy's not going to get. Yes, because <laughs> he has its eat super friends. Yeah. So oh, you the, reason, the reason for all the Ted Knight discussion <laughs> you know, you know, is... What? What? Andy? Andy, can you hear me? Oh, there you go. You're back okay. again. Either that or he was just ignoring our snide comments about him. Probably. No, you, you he's, went, he's a sensitive you went away and the silence was adorable. What? <laughs> silence was adorable. The silence, the silence was adorable. Why, I oughta. The, maddening, I, I, the I, maddening sound of silence. I zoom to the moon. Well, you never watched the honeymooners either, right? I didn't get shown either. What do you want me to do? How about the Mary Tyler Moore show? That may have got shown, but I, I didn't. I never saw it. A little song, a little dance. A do little you know who Ted Knight is? Batman's head on a lance. <laughs> Anyway. You know, if he was just if he was just a little older than he was, he would have been a Batman villain in the '66 series. Actually, yeah. I was reading one of his voice credits was the Penguin. Well, in in the filmation. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, I thought you. Yeah, never mind. But I'm I'm saying live action. He probably would have been a, a villain on the TV series if he was just a little older than he is. If he was mm-hmm. as well known in the '60s as he was in the '70s, he would yeah. have been a villain. Uh, are we going to have some Star Trek on our Star Trek podcast? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason we're going into this Ted Knight discussion is because he does a voice in this episode. And I have to tell you, when I was first watching it and I wasn't thinking, and I knew he was on this, but I totally forgot. I was very uh, underwhelmed. No, I was listening to the voice and I was thinking, well, that's not James Doohan. <laughs> Where is he? He's not, he's not Knight? talking like this. Uh, so I, it's, I started thinking, did they get William Shatner to do his second yes. voice? I thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think he was doing a good job, but was, wow, it really sounds like Shatner. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I thought, you know, it sounds like it could be Shatner and that he's not really modulating his voice very much. Bill Shatner's doing a terrible Ted Knight. <laughs> I guess Ted Knight was doing his Bill Shatner. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would have put it past <laughs> So this this episode is titled The Survivor, and it's da, episode da, da, six... Da. Oh, sorry. Do you know, before you get into that, you know what the really weird voice thing in this one was? All the way through it, Nichelle Nichols doesn't play Uhura, but her voice keeps coming out of this other character, and it's really weird. Yes, yes. And we should should probably touch base on that character, because I'm not really sure what they would think in there. This, this, uh, let's see, it originally aired on October 13th, 1973. And the guest appearance is Ted Knight as Carter Winston. So the plot is that while patrolling near the Romulan neutral zone, the Federation starship Enterprise finds a small private ship manned by a Vendorian, 
Yeah, but they don't species. know that at first. No, they don't. But the yeah. So it's a but, but, but the plot synopsis says this: an yeah. alien species that can transform its shape as will at will. Uh, so he's his, so. Did they meet Odo on this thing? They make Odo mm. look like a chump. The Vendorians. <laughs> yeah, true. The alien dupes the Enterprise crew by assuming the form of Carter Winston, a Federation citizen and philanthropist who has been missing for five years. Winston's fiancée, Lieutenant Ann Norrid, who just happens to be serving as a security officer aboard the Enterprise, uh, upon their reunion, he, tr- he breaks off their engagement without explanation. The Vendorian renters, renders Captain James T. Kirk unconscious, takes his form, and orders the helmsman... Lieutenant Hikaru Sulu to steer the Enterprise into the neutral zone where Romulan warbirds birds lie in wait. When the real Kirk regains consciousness, he initially believes he is losing control. However, he and Spock become suspicious when Dr. McCoy allows that he might have made a mistake, something the real McCoy could never yeah. admit to. Sorry. And a new examination table materializes in the medical bay. They force the Mandorian to reveal his true form and the alert is sounded. The Vendorian escapes detection and disables the Enterprise's deflector shields, leaving it vulnerable to Romulan attack, when its presence in the neutral zone gives the Romulans a pretext to destroy the Enterprise. Kirk realizes the Vendorian was in league with the Romulans from the beginning. The Vendorian takes the form of a deflector shield around the Enterprise, and the Romulans retreat. The Vendorian shows himself to the Enterprise crew and explains that the nature of his kind is to gradually assume the memories and personality traits of those they impersonate. Because he spent too much time in the form of Carter Winston, he became unwilling to let the Enterprise crew become killed. He is, excuse me, to let the Enterprise crew be killed. He is arrested and will face trial, but Kirk tells him that his actions to protect the Enterprise will be taken into consideration. Norred volunteers to guard the Vendorian, saying that he has has become similar enough to Winston that she has feelings of love for him. So there's no danger there of it becoming a Kanunian Singh, uh, Marla MacGyver's moment. Yeah. So we we have we have Odo. We have uh, who's who's the dude in What Little Girls Are Made Of? Who's engaged to Christine Chappell? Roger Chappell. Corby. Roger Corby. Roger we have, Corby. We have that. And we have Khan. We have all, all of these things in this episode. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, well, the animated show in its storylines is becoming a little derivative. And I guess not so much of Odo because he doesn't exist till later. But well, it's derivative of the man trap. Of right. The, yeah, the of man trap too. as well. You're right. Uh, and and I'm I'm not having a problem with that because it's the animated no. series. I like that it's it's callbacks without necessarily being callbacks. Based on the fact that it's derivative, but I'm I'm kind of cool with that. I was very surprised how much I enjoyed this because I was like, even though it was derivative of other plot lines, it was still like, oh, you know, I I didn't remember this episode. I was uh, I don't want to say I was underwhelmed by Ted Knight because I was you know I I just I was like, oh, what kind of Ted Knight? Uh, oh, wait, that's Ted Knight. Oh, well. and he just played it as a role. He didn't play it for camp or anything or 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 for comedy. Well, he wasn't the Ted Knight that uh, the Ted yeah, Knight we, of yeah. legend back then. Yes, and he wasn't doing the narrator voiceover either. He was just playing a character, and uh, that was very, very different. Uh, I thought Lieutenant Ohura. I think she, she. Well, not not Lieutenant Ohura. Michelle Nichols. No, Rod. <laughs> yes, that she nailed the voice 
right at the beginning because I did not realize right at first that it was Nichelle Nichols. I was expecting um, Majel Barrett. And then maybe about the second or third sentence, she kind of slipped up, and I heard her voice and not a character. And I was like, oh, man. So, but and, and she would fall in and out of it. I mean, you know, she's not a trained voice actress, so I'll. It just, it I just mean, seemed she was really weird because she didn't try to put any kind of voice on, though. So she every time first, she spoke, but it, yeah, but then as yeah. it went along, right. So every time went, she more spoke, yeah, you were thinking that's Uhura, and she, the only reason tried, I can think of it for being Nichelle Nichols is because Uhura isn't in this episode, so mm. Nichols wouldn't have got paid. Because this is the episode that introduces Mares, and I have no idea what Majel Barrett was going for with that voice. Why the hell has she gone for sultry and sexy? Because she's a cat. She's she's I, a cat. I do, I do not find my cat sultry or sexy. Oh, you what do if they too. Were five feet, you, what if they were five foot tall and looked like a human? You'd be hmm. Well, hmm. if they look like Julie Newmar, yes. Maybe not that's what she like thought it was going to look like. Yeah, but she didn't think it was going to look like an actual cat. They probably said, it's going to look like a cat. <laughs> okay, I'll so, pretend I'm a cat. Helium frequencies open, Captain. Meow. La la. That's the only reason I can think of for Nora being Nichelle Nichols. She wouldn't have got paired otherwise. Although, I, I mean, I quite like the character in the, the sense that, again, she's a security officer. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. But you, you can't, it's a massive coincidence, isn't it? That she just happens to be on the ship that Carter Winston shows up on. Carter Winston rocking the most magnificent 70s sideburns and tash for an animated show. It almost looks like, you know, Thomas Magnum. He looks Joe, like, Joe, you take looks that back. Like, he looks like, think he looks like Jason King. He looks like, um, I can't uh, remember the actor's name. Oh, Jason Wingard? Jason Wingard. Peter Wingard. Peter Wingard. Oh, Jason he Wingard. Looks, yeah. Jason like Wingard had, had the, uh, the, the big sideburns. Well, that's because he was based on Peter Wingard. And I was like, you know, this episode would be much better if it was Peter Wingard. <laughs> oh, he would have had a much better voice. <laughs> yeah, well, that as well. But just having him rock up as Jason King would have been brilliant. Yeah, Clytus from, from Flash Gordon. Yeah, uh, I like when they find Carter at the beginning and they're, they're shocked. You know, wow, you know, he's he's been missing, what was it, for five years? It's like finding yeah. Bill Gates. Right. Well, how, and they, how do they know him on sight? You would think after the whole finding Zephyr and Cochran after, what was it, 76 years and communion soon. Are you really Elon Musk? What? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a little you know much when uh, when McCoy doesn't want to even check him to make sure it's him. Yeah, he's all starstruck. Oh no, he's dreamy. <laughs> Look at that and, and you know, <clears throat> you know he's it's got a good an thing. Too. It's a good yep. thing McCoy's daughter was not on a planet run by someone like Kodos because she wouldn't have made it out. Oh, I voted for Kang. <laughs> all intelligent people did. You'll get nothing, and you'll like it. I'll have a hamburger. I'll have a cheeseburger. This, the animation-wise, yeah, this one's this one's just as limited as ever. The, when the ships are stationary, they still look like they're moving sideways, which gave me vertigo. And Lieutenant Tahura keeps showing up on the bridge, even though she's not in the episode. But ignoring that, 
the interplay with the characters was much better this time around. One of the problems I had with the Tribbles one was I didn't feel like they were bouncing off each other. This one actually felt like they're getting the hang of doing voiceover. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. It, it did seem a little bit more seamless than it has in the past. Yeah, I still think Shatner's overdoing it. I don't think Shatner's <laughs> quite settled into it yet. I know, I know. I don't think he ever settles into joke. this one. But yeah, he, he still... He, I don't want to ever accuse an actor of phoning it in. But of all he of literally them, phoned it in? Yeah. Of all of them, Shatner seems to be the one who's like, oh, yeah, I'll do this on my dinner break, doesn't he? <laughs> I have to question Starfleet's uh, protocols that allows a captain to just willy-nilly sh- pilot his ship into the freaking Romulan neutral zone, though. And everybody yeah, why, in the crew is just not like, ring more okay, you're the captain. <laughs> right, got what? it. My life's no. not in danger. When he was um, Janice Lester, he was ringing alarm bells all over the ship with his, his his orders and here he just walks onto the bridge and goes eh, let's go into the neutral zone it'll be fine and everyone's like yeah okay well he said because he trusts the last time they did it Spock was in on it you'd think Spock would have, <coughs> the officer would be like Captain did we get some type of order to go into the neutral zone that I wasn't aware of is there a just do it do it Spock right oh okay God. that's that's logical <laughs> no it isn't and keep in mind if they catch us, they're going to impound the ship as per the Enterprise incident episode. They're going to impound yeah. it as garbage. <laughs> I, I thought the dialogue was good in this one because it's not going for clever, clever like David Gerald. I thought there was a couple of good lines in this one. I love the bit where McCoy's like, yeah, I suppose I could have made a mistake. I'll double check it. And Kirk and Spock oh, are like, yeah. wait a minute. Spock's like, whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> I thought that was really good. I am glad he made a mistake and he's fine with that. I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> Let me walk out and Kirk's like, okay, so you just accused Rakoya of making a mistake and he was, yeah, I may have done. Does that seem right to you? So oh, I, and come on, what? Shouldn't the ship's doctor have noticed there was an extra freaking medical uh, bay bed? Well, look, the funny thing about that, did you notice that when Kirk spotted it, it didn't have a pillow on it? So I was like, well, it's clearly that one. It's that one that doesn't have a pillow on it. But then in the long shot, there's a pillow suddenly miraculously appears. Where's all the extra uh, mass coming from? Uh, well, it's sort of the, appro- the approximate. I'm like, what? Oh, and he didn't didn't become a deflector shield. I guess it's implied he became the components they needed to bring the deflector shield back up. Yeah. yeah that's the, in the synopsis, yeah. they say he became the dele- deflector shield, which is not... I guess it's you know it's not a physical thing with mass. It's, because that would be it's, energy, it's a, an energy he, ray. Yeah, yeah. Sorts. He became the things because in the um, the one on memory alpha, it says that he became the actual components and not the actual deflector. Right, in Alan Dean Foster's novel, and I thought I read this on memory alpha. Maybe I didn't. In Alan Dean Foster's novel, he rewrites it to be what you just said. Having seen the insides of the Enterprise, he knows how to manipulate it mm. enough to do what you just said. He doesn't actually become. Maybe that's a where they shield. they corrected it here, in, or put, incorporated that from that episode here in mm. because that's not clear in the episode itself. That would no, have been cool I mean, if they had done so. something on DS9. Just you know, quick reference. You can't, you know, you couldn't focus on this much, but some some sort of thing that you know some of the pods that were sent out into space by the changelings you know, settled in on this planet and, you know, started their own society and that turns out that this guy was a changeling. Hmm. That would be a nice little link between the two of them. 
that he was a chain. Not the great link, just a nice little link. Just a nice little link, yes. They have and, an um, interesting form um, because they're. Have we seen this form already, or am I thinking of some? Or maybe this is the this is the first time we've seen this type of alien, right? I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. They got their little whipping tentacles. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. Man, I laughed the crap out of that thing. Ah! Oops, sorry. In some ways, they even these. made the salt the salt creature a uh, a changeling that just yeah one of these. Yeah. Going through memory alpha's quotes, I like the Romulan where Kirk says it was a mistake, and the Romulan's like it always is. It always he is was with you, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, this is like the fourth time you've done this, and they were all mistakes, really. Now, for our naval uh, experts, I have a question. Uh, do we have like you know? It seems like they're always in the neutral zone. Do we ha- is like are there a lot of areas in the sea that are considered to be neutral zones? Well, international waters are international waters, and then usually it's uh, depending on the country. A lot of there's usually like three to twelve miles is like depending on. I don't remember. God, it's been so long. Sometimes it's questionable. Like some countries want to say they control the waters 12 miles out, but I think it's three. So then you get into the – so you could maybe say that three to 12 could be a neutral zone if there's a dispute. But there, I mean other than – well, like right now we got the South China Sea about who controls that. Uh, I mean I'm not really up to speed on that aspect. I just remember when I was in – you know, once we were beyond <coughs> – well, cruise ships – like gambling boats. Gambling boats go out, I think, three miles, and that's what allows them to gamble because now they're in international waters and they can do what they want. But until they get that far out, they can't do certain things. Typically, it's like no man's land out there. Typically, Wait. I remember that that business that went on years ago with Libya where they were extending. Ah, the, that's what it was. Yeah. I, whatever yeah. it was, 15, they were 20. They were 12 miles out, and then, you know, it's only three. And, and as soon as you said, oh, it's 15 miles, we send an aircraft carrier in. Yeah. So, you know, it's a line of death. Okay, I'm going to move the line of death. Now we're moving it closer. We've been lucky that no one like, you know, Russia or China has done this yet. Well, because, like, we were, uh, when I was in the service, uh, we were in the, was it? Not the, uh, the, on the backside of Italy. The heck is that? Is that the Aegean Sea or something like no, that? No, the Aegean Sea is on the, the Adriatic. Adriatic, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So we were in the Adriatic, and I called it Operation Helter Skelter because we were off the coast of Yugoslavia, and we would just drive the ship up to the top of a box and float down to the bottom. So I'm like, hey, to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide, <laughs> and it, and we did that for like weeks upon weeks because we were monitoring UN flights going in to Yugoslavia to drop off food and stuff. And every and then there was a an, an occasion where a uh, small patrol craft ca- came out with that did have the ability to launch a certain missile at us and they lit us up with a targeting radar and we blasted the heck out of them with our targeting radar <laughs> and they ran back into the like they were edging on that edge of the it, international water trying to poke their head out and like flex their muscle targeting our ship you know because we have countermeasures that can detect other I'm not saying anything that isn't already Tom Clancy hasn't already put in every book or put in every book he ever wrote so you know the ship can detect hey we're being targeted with this type of radar Ah, target them back and you know ah, and then they run back into the 
they're safe waters. So, anyway, that's my only Navy story I got for that. Well, I would have talked to Bill Robinson. I would have neutral zone work in space then. I don't know, because could you go above it? I mean, like, yeah. how far does it extend? <laughs> exactly. You, just, you, know? It, you know, can you go around it, above it? But, there's, you know, there's no line in space. Everything well, there's, there's like, we draw the line here. Line. Well, there's, like, the, they call it the galactic plane, which, I mean, I can't believe the entire universe is flat on a, but, I mean, I, I mean, you know. Well, I would think I would think you, the neutral zone would would ex, well the areas that are not considered the neutral zone Romulan space which you know you'd encroach on would be within a certain range certain distance from the planets that they've taken over uh, you know so it would be you know almost like a uh, you know big, a spherical area that would not be in the neutral zone but a spherical to infinity like could you like how many light years above and below it too? Like, can you go under it? Go to go around them? You know, they don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. Space is weird. To me, the whole neutral concept, neutral zone concept, is kind of a misnomer because it seems like the Romulans they're fine to be in the neutral zone, but Kirk can't be in the neutral zone. To me, a neutral zone would be more like a DMZ where neither side can be there. Right. Yeah, I don't really know how that works either in in, in the Star yeah, Trek universe. That's why it's right, like, that Dev. Because surely Kirk could just turn around and go, "Well, you're in here." Right. Well, yeah. The whole point of a neutral zone is neither of us can be here. Ah, uh, but I have two ships, and you only have one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can nick them off the Klingons. <laughs> and you're gonna have to bo- shit. We're gonna have to boot your ship and have it towed. <laughs> now. Uh, I, I have a question because you know I'm not that bright. When uh, was it Lieutenant Nord? She can't yeah. shoot him, and when shoot she's making him. his getaway, does she realize the gun has a stun setting? <laughs> they, they forget that when they're uh, newly qualified security officers, I think. I mean, it's not like she had a 45 handgun that could only blast him. She can stun him, right? Oh wait, I got another setting. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh. <laughs> what does this button do? You know what Kirk should have done? He should have taken the pistol from her and went, see this, and shot her with it. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do a life lesson. <laughs> when you wake up, you'll realize. <laughs> oh man. Poor, poor, poor Norad. It's her first day on the job. If Superman can trash an IHOP because it's his first day in the job, she can forget that there's a stun set it. I guess. I also found it interesting that Winston got off the ship and they were all on a first-name basis. It was like Norm arriving in Cheers. <laughs> you know, you would think Winston. Mr. Khan. Winston, come in, let's have a drink. Pull a load off. Not like that. <laughs> what did you think about the effect uh, that, that, they, that they used for uh, the Vandorian to change form? It was, uh, I mean, the sound effect was the energizer, uh, the, uh, you know, when they do the transporter, it was that sound effect. And, uh, you know, it, I mean, it was, I don't want to say it was cheesy, but it, but it was different. It was interesting. They just did a little energy thing around him to make him change his shape. It wasn't bad for uh, the animation at, at the time. It was fine. Yeah. I, I mean, you the, know, the, the alien life form was interesting as well, because they couldn't have afforded to do it like that. 
in live action. Oh no, no, he's floating around. He's got you know like a main upper body, mm. or it has a main upper body. It's whipping all them arms around you. It puts its little snaky arm around Kirk's neck. <laughs> Now, is, he, is he Vulcan? Is he like nerve pitching him, or is he got some other thing? Way to is he emitting some type of gas? Like how is he knocking him out? But that's you know, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just a, it's a quick, short little show. But you know, science <laughs> demands these if, answers. If it was gas, that would be add a whole new dimension to it. <laughs> yeah, it could be like that octopus who, who secretes that black ink. Mm. And he's doing yeah. the equivalent of that to knock them out because they do wake up thinking they've fallen asleep. They don't realize they've been nerve pinched or whatever. Yeah. So there's obviously something going on that makes them think they've just dozed off. Now, some of that was probably because animation didn't want to kill anyone. But I also, I also got a metamorphosis vibe from it when they get to the end of the episode and it's all about, well, I still love you. I don't care what you look like, which is mm-hmm. quite modern in its thinking. Um, and the you, guys... don't put, you don't put her in charge of the prisoner then. <laughs> right. Well, a little, little conflict of interest going there. Love Ms. Ms. MacGyver. Yes. Well, so that was that was nice because Metamorphosis is a good episode. And the, but that's the, the main problem with it was there's an awful lot of moments in it that just remind you of other episodes. See, I didn't think isn't... that was a problem though. No, I was just going to follow it up with which wasn't a problem because this one came together nicely enough on its own. The only problem that I had with it, other than Nichelle Nichols voicing somebody that wasn't Uhura, was that it felt too short. This one felt like being a live-action 50-minute episode. They could have fleshed out his and Norad's relationship a lot more so that when he turns back to the good side of the Force at the end it didn't feel like as an abrupt change. There wasn't enough of a relationship between those two characters for him to do the flip at the end. I think if they'd built on that more and her saying to him, look, I'm not really bothered what you look like. You're still you. And him slowly coming to realise that his changeover at the end would have been better. And a bit more brinksmanship between Kirk and the Romulans as well would have been fun. But it is, you know, it's 22 minutes. It is what it is. Yeah, because if this had been a longer episode... Uh, because what I was thinking that Kirk was actually conning the Vendorian with the whole, I'm going to pour acid on you. Mm-mm. It would have been nice to ha- have a little thing and say, Jim, you know, like Spock's is, Captain, you realize that that is not, or, you know, what you're saying. Oh, well, you know, ah, but the Vendorian didn't know that Spock. Mm-hmm. Oh, again, your bluff. Yes, I understand. Your Corbomite bluff. Yes. You know, we, a call, you know, a, a, a way to pad out the, you know, the episode length. If it was a live action. But then a live action, we couldn't have had the alien that we had. No, it, it would have been pipe cleaners or something, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, for the most part, I quite enjoyed this one. It felt like an episode of Star Trek. I liked that it's showing more Star Trekian values in the sense that you get to the end and the guy will obviously pay for his crimes, but Kirk's going to testify on his behalf that he changed his mind and I like that there's a nice little ending where he's got Norad and Norad's got him and it's all very sweet and there's some funny dialogue in it I'd laughed at this one three times more than I laughed at the Tribbles one whereas the, the Tribbles humour felt forced the line in here about the with the Romulan yes you always are do make a mistake that was funny and <laughs> when they go into the thing and Spock saying yes I too realised that there was another bed and Kirk's like yeah right that was funny. And then the ending, the, the Spock and McCoy banter at the end was genuinely amusing as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah I well, was I, not 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 sad when it was over. I was like, oh, now it's done. <laughs> I think this one succeeded because it has callbacks and um, you know references. Not so much references, but more callbacks to previous episodes. It kind of in, embodies a lot of the thoughts that they had there. But it doesn't feel like it's chasing the previous episodes the way the Tribbles episode. Did. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good way of putting it. And it and it doesn't feel particularly mm, dumbed down. Yeah, or like things like the characters did like things that just didn't make sense. Yeah, it's reminiscent of other episodes without feeling like a ripoff. Anything more on it's this the, It's it's the by any other name of the animated series. In and of itself, it's a perfectly entertaining episode. That when you start watching it, you go, oh, that reminds me of the Man Trap, and that reminds me of Metamorphosis, and that reminds me of this, and and it's, it doesn't make it bad. Mm-hmm. All right, so are we ready to rate this one? Indeed. Uh, I think this is pretty solid. It was entertaining. Uh, I wish we had a little bit more of the over-the-top Ted Knight than we, than we did. Yeah, but, but, but if other, we other did, then... Then it would have been, it would have made it too campy. I think, I think it would, it would have made it campy, definitely. I think what we got was good. It shows Ted Knight can really act, not just yeah. be funny. He can do his Shatner. Uh, <laughs> but but you know what? I don't think it would have been. I think it would have been more campy, but I don't think it would have taken away from it because just the look of the character <laughs> was campy enough anyway. So I don't think it would have changed, you know, my my overall take on it. Uh, I definitely thought it was above average, uh, and you know, very enjoyable. I'm going to say a 3.5. I uh, I really enjoyed this one. There were some episodes of this series that I kind of watched the clock with one eye and said, oh, "How much is left? Oh, okay, two minutes is left. Four minutes is left." I didn't look at the clock at all on this one. I, I you know, and, and I I found it fun picking out all the things. Oh yes, we we've done this before with the man trap. Oh yeah, we've done this before with metamorphosis. To, to me, it was very entertaining. Like you said, Paul, I thought who was Shatner doing two voices in the beginning. So uh, I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I would give it a four out of five. Um, yeah, man, I'm I'm gonna go with everyone else. I I think it's a solid a solid three out of five. I think it's it's a perfectly entertaining episode of Star Trek that is now playing on my phone. <laughs> Don't know I don't that, know where that was coming from. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it, it's evocative of a an original live action episode and of other shows and stories that they've done without being a blatant rip-off and it was solidly entertaining and like Dave said I enjoyed it for 22 minutes I never once thought god this one's boring uh, I'm uh, I'm going to give it four uh, four Ovaltine acids out of five I it's actually orientine but I'm going to give it Ovaltine um for everything we said, and plus for the rabbit, I think I'm gonna I, I'm bumping it up to a four because of the rabbit hole I went down after it was over looking stuff up about Ted Knight and other things. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm gonna give it. So that's what we say. But what does Blaine say? Well, we're waiting. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we're waiting. No, he probably saw he saw Caddyshack, didn't he? Did you see Kate? Have you seen the yeah, movie Caddyshack? Years Shack? ago. We, we, okay. we, have to, we have to go with Andy's frame of reference. Blaine is cold and Andy wants to give him a blanket. It, it is Canada. Incoming transmission. Hi, guys. First, the episode-specific comments. 
once you get over the fact that Carter never says, Meanwhile, in the Hall of Justice, you can relax and enjoy the episode. Perhaps most notably, this was produced at a time when the benevolent billionaire was still believed to be a thing. While they aren't exactly non-existent, J.K. Rowling was a billionaire until she spent the overwhelming majority of her money helping people in need, at least as long as the gender that they feel a part of matches their outward appearance at birth, it's not a story choice that I would expect to see in the current climate. The only question that remains is how he managed to become rich and accumulate a fortune in Roddenberry's post-currency society, but he's not a Starfleet member, so I'll assume he made money outside the Federation. That would be consistent with crash landing on a quarantined planet anyway. Still, this once again scratches my Star Trek itch. The Romulans are their manipulative selves, the morals are there, and this story itself holds up logically. Now, with the particulars of this episode out of the way, I want to thank you guys for asking me to provide feedback on this series too. In paying podcast-level attention to the show, I finally answered a question that has been bothering me for a few years now. When I went through my latest rewatch of the original series, I was struck by the fact that each episode had original music. And it wasn't just recycling the same songs over and over. I was sure that Star Trek had been one of the shows that do that for most of my life. Yet when I paid attention, it wasn't. In rewatching this series, I've realized why. Aside from the opening theme and the music from the fight scene in A Mock Time, the other music that felt reused to me, which I always associate with Star Trek, was the music that Filmation used for this animated series. It was this animated series, not the live-action series, that used recycled music and formed my perception when I was young and impressionable, watching the live-action and animated versions back-to-back -back on Saturday mornings. Thank you for giving me the impetus needed to make that connection and relate my flawed memories to reality. I, I always question Roddenberry's, you know, uh, currency theories because they just don't hold up. You know, there's there's been many characters throughout the ser different series who have had the accumulation of wealth as their goal. Uh, you know, I think we can go with uh, Mud or uh, what's his name from uh, the Tribbles episode as as two two clear ones and obviously the Ferengi uh, but that comes later uh, so I, th I think there's a, a great inconsistency to the whole wealth aspect of the Federation there's also a big irony there in that apparently by all accounts Roddenberry was as big a money grabber as you could hope to find yeah well I guess in, in theory Roddenberry was saying in a perfect world I wouldn't have to do this communism would work and Everybody could be happy and just have society provide for them, and they'd be happy to do the work necessary anyway. Yes. We, meanwhile, in reality, it doesn't quite work that way. Yes, it doesn't. Well, as as uh, Scott and Chris said, I think it was on a Star Trek Monthly Mo uh, Monday episode, uh, Scott Scott kept calling back to, but what do you do about the lazy shit? <laughs> Right, and Scott would be right. Because and, and Chris was saying, yeah, you know, in, in a in a world where society's going to provide for you no matter what you do, who's cleaning the toilets? Oh, we have to clean your own toilets. Yeah, but maybe if, but maybe, but maybe if you're not expected by society to do something, uh, yes, there would be a certain amount of people I think that would not do nothing. But wouldn't you just get so bored? It's like okay, not, not I don't bored enough to want to clean out the toilets. Well, I don't know if you're living in your own house, and it's like, well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about in your own house. I'm talking about in the public areas. Well, well you know, you're, I mean, you're, you're people, working. On, you're on the starship. But maybe Enterprise, people would be more and, and we need you to clean the latrine. 
maybe you would be more inclined to do something if you didn't have to do something. I think, once again, that goes to the view of in a perfect world. I guess. I, I, I don't know about the reality of it, though. I won't even discuss my current worldview right now because it would just bring everybody down and or you would be very scared by what I would say. So I, 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 <laughs> I, I applaud your self-control. <laughs> Let's just say I'm a little not nihilistic right now. And so for everybody, say. for everybody that thinks Dr. Bill does not have a filter, there you go. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> anyway, I guess that's it for uh, for this episode. What are we doing next time? Next time, an all-new episode of whatever the hell the show is. Lieutenant Chekhov returns, but only to write. Oh, wow. To write an episode all about infinite Vulcans in infinite combinations. Ivic. Infinite Vulcans, they're everywhere. Well, that, that, that would be good in the reboot where, where Vulcan was destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> you have An infinite number of Vulcans, if you give them enough time, could write the, the could write Shakespeare plays. Isn't that right? Yes. No, they could write monkey plays. An infinite infinite number of Vulcans. An infinite (laughs) number of Vulcans with an infinite number of type rays could write Planet of the Apes. Perfect. And yet it only took one man. So suck on that, Vulcans. (laughs) (laughs) See you next time, everybody. Bye. Kapla. Oh, sorry, wrong show. Meanwhile... Trek is based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry, and is a Two True Freaks presentation. It's hosted by Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and produced and guest-hosted on occasion by J. David Wheaton. All music and clips are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a review show, and as such, protected under fair use. Yeah, let's go with that. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Toon Trek. You know what? We should do the episode because we're going to do it. We're we're wasting gold here. Okay. Okay. All right. What are you clearing your throat? Are you doing this one? (laughs) I can. I don't care. It's not your turn. You just sit back and you relax. Okay, fine. I'll just. I'll just. (laughs) Mfer. Well, well, screw you. (laughs) This one is actually mine. La, 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 la. No, no, no. You got to be Ted Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. <laughs>